What is up, everybody? This is a new episode of Catfish on Ice. This is episode 132 with your hosts Chad Minton and Kyle Perkins. We're joining you as the Stanley Cup playoffs roll along. We're watching the Edmonton Oilers take on the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, Kyle, uh, the Oilers are saying that they don't want to be swept right now. How about that? I don't think anybody really wants to be, but I don't think Colorado gives many people much of a choice. Yeah, right. For pretty, sure. They pretty much impose their will on everybody they've come up against so far. Yeah, we know all about that as Predators fans, right? Yeah, we know that pain. Well, we can go ahead and break news for you right now on episode 132. Uh, Chad Minton, yours truly, and Kyle Perkins, we are not uh, we're not uh, streaking right now. We're not um, running to work. Unlike, even though the gas price gas prices are so high, and it might be cheaper to jog to work than it is to drive, we indeed did not take up the decision to um, streak during episode 132. So you're welcome for that. <laughs> Uh, we should have. It, it uh, would have. It would have added some drama to the evening. We would have gotten a lot of downloads, Kyle. I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> what cost, but... <laughs> All right. Well, we're glad everybody's here with us. This is Catfish on Ice, episode one thirty-two. Our other awesome co-host, Rich Howe, is on vacation right now with his family, so we hope he's having a really good time, and uh, we can't wait to see him for the next episode. But here's what we got in store for you tonight. We are going to start doing some player grades here. Since we're in the offseason, we've had time to digest this past season and really think about what happened and what transpired. We are going to start putting out some player grades for this past season. And what better spot to start at on the roster than the top part of the roster, these top players that are most vital to this team's success. So we're talking about Philip Forsberg. We're talking about Ryan Johansson, Mikael Granlin, Matt Duchesne. Those are the players we're starting off with tonight. we got a few other player grades. We shared our three player grades on our Twitter account, at Catfish Ice, if you're not following us. So go check that out. But we are going to get into those, really explain what we thought about these players' performances, and really talk about also, along with their player grades, what is their future outlook look like for next season? What role do they play with this team? Are they even going to be on this team next year? Do we think they should be on this team? There's a couple players we got to get into in these player grades tonight where I'm sorry, but their future is not set in stone with this team. We are also, the draft is just one month away. The 2022 NHL entry draft is just a month away. And the, the Predators, they've got the 17th overall pick. That's what's projected right now. I'm pretty sure that's, Pretty uh, pretty set in stone. Kyle, is that true? Is it the 17th pick for sure? Yes, it is the 17th pick. Okay. That's, that's locked in. All right, cool. So I saw projected in a lot of articles, but I, I had to make sure that was for sure. So, yeah, they're picking 17th overall. little interesting nugget about that. The only other time in their history that the Preds have ever picked 17th overall in their history, they took Dante Fabro in 2016. So if we can repeat a pick like that, I'm, I'll be okay with it. I don't know about you. 
Uh, yeah, that'd probably be a pretty good little pick going forward. Maybe not the same position, but we'll get into that. We're, we're just going to do an early outlook. We're actually going to do a whole episode covering the draft. We're going to try to get some good guests on that really make their living on looking up prospects and looking up draft classes. We're hoping to do that. We're working on that. we got a few weeks to plan for that. We're going to do a whole 2022 NHL entry draft special, but we are going to do an early look tonight at what we think the Preds should do with their draft plan and their draft strategy. So that will be fun to get into. We will keep, we're going to have to talk about these two conference finals series going on right now. Uh, Both series have had no shortage of drama. Uh, Kyle, have you been uh, watching both series? What what, what's kind of your top takeaways? so far in both these series, man. they so much drama in both of them. Yeah. The Colorado-Edmonton series has been a little bit more uh, physical than I was expecting. Uh, I'm really surprised it took Evander Kane this long to do something dumb. Oh, my gosh. Um, you hate it for Kadri. The guy's had an amazing playoff run so far, and he gets – and you know he's a guy who's who's known for dirty hits, and then he gets taken out that way, and you still don't want to see anybody get took out like that. Uh, the other series, the Rangers just have that feel about them. They they do. They just have that. And, and you know I'm pulling for the Rangers because I don't think anybody expected them really to go this far or to even be putting up this kind of fight against Tampa. Did Tampa sit too long? I mean, that's a good point. Bring it up. Yeah. Uh, I, they did not, they have not looked good since coming back. They, they got, they got the one win back, but we're going to, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into it. I got some things to say about that, but I do think you're absolutely right. As far as the Rangers definitely pounced on them. They're the hot team. They are the team that's been tested all playoffs. I will say, though, Tampa went to game seven, too. They had to go to a game seven as well in the first round. But, um, yeah, the Rangers are one of those tested teams that are kind of – they seem like they're playing with house money. They're the the younger team. They're the team that if they lose, no one's going to – everyone's going to give them a pat on the back for making it this far. Mm -hmm. Whereas Tampa, come on, let's be honest, they're the back-to-back champs. Everyone expects them to be here. So let's see what happens. We're going to get more into that. And then we will dive into a few other things to close out this episode. Some fun things we came across on the interwebs. I got a couple of things, funny things, and I'm sure Kyle saw as well. And uh, we'll finish it off with that. But let's go ahead and get started here. Presented by DraftKings, Catfish on Ice, episode 132, with some of these off-season player grades. Let's go ahead and start off with... You know, I don't know, the player that just grabs headlines nonstop. He's still grabbing headlines here in the dead of the offseason. No one wants to talk about the Predators except for the fact that unless it's Phil Forsberg. That's the only reason you're going to bring up the Predators right now unless you're just a diehard fan like we are and we're doing a podcast. That's about the only reason you're going to bring up the National Predators right now. So um, Phil Forsberg, um, I'll start with my grade, and then Kyle, he's going to dish out his. Um, this I, We're counting playoffs here, by the way. Like we're not doing like NHL awards where you only count regular season. No, I'm counting playoffs, everything, everything they did this past year. I gave him an A minus kind of for that reason, because Philip Forsberg, he doesn't get an A plus for me, despite the outstanding spectacular season that he had. 
because he still did kind of fall off there towards the tail end of the season. And a player of his caliber and a team like the Predators, you're counting on Philip Forsberg to just keep it going, keep the gas going, especially towards the tail end of when it really matters towards the end of the season. Even John Hines said in the end of season press conference that he broke it down into four segments, the regular season. That's how he broke it down. And he said that the Predators struggled the most in the last segment of the season, which he said is also the toughest part of the season for a team. And you look at Philip Forsberg, um, he only scored five goals in the last 15 games of the regular season. I know that's only like, yeah, for a lot of players, that's great. Five goals in 15 games, not on his caliber. And the team went six, six, and three. Of course, we remember, uh, Kyle, we remember that debacle against uh, Arizona, which um, led to the Predators getting the grand prize of playing the Avalanche in the first round. Um, I think we were recording live, weren't we, Kyle? Yeah. Uh, let's try not to remember. That. Yeah, I, I think I was a wee bit emotional during that episode. <laughs> if anybody wants to go back and listen to it, it might be fun for you to go back and listen to it. But It was not, not fun to record. No. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so Forsberg only scored one goal in those four playoff games. He did pile up some assists. He did contribute. I'm not saying he was completely a non-factor. I'm not saying that at all. That's why he still gets an A-. minus. He still had a great season. I'm saying I can't give him an A+. plus. That's like perfect. That's like you were as good as anyone could have asked you to be. And that's a hard thing to get. Let's look at this. Game three against the Avs, Philip Forsberg had just one shot on goal. That's not going to get it done. Game one, he had just two shots on goal. I mean, I'm not saying it's all his fault that he only got those shots. It's, it's a team game. But those are the kinds of things that I look at where I'm like, okay, he, he did tell off a little bit down the stretch. So he gets an A-. minus. That's my reasoning. He still had a great season, of course. Uh, Kyle, what about you? What grade do you give him? I'm going to go with the A- minus as well. Um, one of the big knocks on Forsberg, and this is no fault of his own, uh, has been his injury history. Uh, Phil had a heck of a year this year, but he only played 69 games. If he'd have played 82, what what would his numbers have looked like? How do you, it's become a thing every year. He seems like he misses several games. You go back 69 this last year, um, going back to 18, 19, uh, the last full season, uh, you had 64, 17, 18, 67. Last time he played a full season of hockey was 16, 17. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a concern for me. then you have this guy who has this awesome, amazing regular season. And I'm going to liken this to uh, college classes since we're doing the grades. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you you aced, got 100 on every test during the semester. You've done all your homework. And then you get like a C minus on the final. Ooh. So it takes you from getting this high A down to getting a low A. And it's just. It, it ruined your ruined your perfection. I was um yeah I get I love the analogy there with these gradings and I can tell you me personally um I was the type of student where uh, I lived off homework 
in the participation grades. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do all the stuff that's going to get me the participation grades, but don't count on me during test time. I was a horrible test taker. I was such a horrible test taker. No matter how much I studied, it didn't matter. But um, I feel like Philip Forsberg did study hard, like you said, and he got all the grades during, and then he just – maybe he just didn't cram enough for that final exam. I kind of get your analogy there. It just – that that the end of the year, he just – they couldn't put anything together. It mm-hmm. was kind of – Kind of sad, really, uh, to see that playoff run. And he had one point in the playoffs. He had the one goal and no assists. Mm. And that's that's just something you can't have from your prime guy. So that makes – that's going to make that conversation about that contract even even more fun. Makes it because, more complicated. It makes it yeah. more complicated. And I – I think we're all still on board that you got to do everything you can to get him back, of course. But yeah. um, I, don't, I don't think a four-game series against the Colorado Avalanche, the juggernauts, changes your opinion on that. I think that would be completely overreacting compared to everything else he's done during the longevity of his Preds career. But at the same time, it does make you think a little bit more, and it does add another wrinkle to, to getting him re-signed. Of course, we're not hearing anything. We, we're not going to hear anything right now most likely because free agency is still what another another uh, month and a half away mid-july like a month and a week i think it's the 13th so i mean it i mean it's going to keep ramping up we've been talking about this since december and quite frankly it, it makes my head hurt thinking about it even more but um you know it's it's one of those things where all i can say is i feel like david poyle hopefully as long as he's been doing this he knows something that we don't know and almost no one knows as far as he feels like he's going to get him re-signed. And I, I would hope that he wouldn't have said all the things he said about mutual interest and all these other things if he didn't feel really confident that he's going to figure it out and get a deal done when the time comes to do that. That's 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 all I can really say about it. Yeah. It, he's got to do something. And, you, uh, and another thing that for Forsberg – if he goes to free agency, he will lose his eligibility for that eighth year in Nashville. It, he will have to sign before free agency starts to have that eighth year option for Nashville. That's uh, and that's huge. That's that's a big deal because you go from uh, a seven-year contract, you're looking at a, a lot higher per year uh, salary to equal the same money of an eight-year contract at a, a much better for the team anyway salary. Yeah. Makes so sense. do all you can to get him signed during the regular season or before the season ends. Well, I mean, it's still, like I said, a spectacular season by him. He uh, 84 points, by beat his career high in points by 20 points, which he set back in 2017-18. Uh, 42 goals. Only Matt Duchesne, who we're about to get to, beat him to that uh, single uh, single season goal record. They were both going neck and neck all season, uh, feeding off each other on the same line for much of the season. And, uh, you know, Forsberg sets the single season record, breaks Arvidsson's record, but so does Duchesne. So let's get to Matt Duchesne now. 
who, um, I mean, I know with, with lack of suspense here, um, I think me and Kyle both are going to give Matthew Shane an A-plus here. Uh, we would have to really be nitpicking and just looking for something to give him anything less. Uh, A-plus for me, uh, the thing about Matthew Shane is, and everyone's writing about this, uh, but it, it, it should be written by every hockey writer. Matt Duchesne absolutely resurrected his NHL career this past season. I'm not saying his NHL career was over. I'm, what I'm saying without this past season, what I'm saying is Matt Duchesne, everyone always knew he had this talent in him. Everyone always knew that he was a great player ever since his days in Colorado. And, um, he, and that's why he got that big contract that everyone hates. And uh, the thing about Matt Duchesne is since he's come to Nashville, we all know it, he's had to live up to that contract that he didn't force anyone to write for him. David Poyle handed that contract out to them. So I always feel like the the hatred and the dislike and the criticism for Duchesne has been misguided since he's come here. It's always been guided at Duchesne like he's the one that signed that contract. No, that was Poyle, and Duchesne just took it. And Duchesne had a great season before he came here with um, – split with Ottawa and Columbus to get that contract. And so, and, and then here's the thing. He wasn't a buzz before this past season. He had some great, he was playing really good hockey for Nashville, but he was just, yeah, he, he, he disappeared at moments and he wasn't always the $8 million player. No one's arguing that, but this past season, I mean, wow. So here's what I'm thinking. I give him an A plus of course. Um, but Here's the deal. That spotlight is going to continue to be on him, talking about next season. I mean, it's going to be shining just as bright on him. All those critics are going to be like, was that a fluke? Let's do it again. Let's see you do it again, Matt Duchesne. Like, yeah, great. You did it for one season. The team still got swept. Do it again. And that that's going to be on him, fair or foul. He's going to have to – I'm not saying he has to do what he did this past season, replica, but he's going to have to still have a really, really good, highly productive season. Um, Kyle, what about you, man? What, what are your thoughts on Duchesne other than the obvious that he deserves an A+. Plus? I mean, the man had a career year. Uh, he beat his uh, best points year by 16 points. Yep. Uh, his He's had 70 – uh, I think three times if I'm looking right, but I mean, the guy was noticeable in every game. If he, if he didn't score, he was buzzing around the net and doing everything he could to try to try to score, try to help his team win. It, you, you can't really fault much. The guy did this year. He was, he was arguably the best most consistent forward all year long. Uh, Forsberg got on his hot streaks where Duchesne was more of a steady throughout the year guy. Yep. Um, if you look at uh, Duchesne's career numbers, uh, his time on ice had dipped going back to 1819. Uh, and he was down to 15 minutes. Uh, average time on ice last year. Uh, this year he's up to 1901. That's pretty significant. Uh, that's a four minute difference in time on ice per game. That just goes to show you the uh, coaching over the off season. Uh, I think Matt Duchesne owes 
John Hines a pretty hearty handshake. Yeah. Uh, as he seems to have brought out the best in Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So tying this back into Forsberg, and I know I'm not alone in saying this, uh, Kyle. I think you'll probably agree with me, but I want to see what you think about this. Um, the Forsberg effect, the ripple effect here. I'm sorry. I mean, it, it, it seems pretty clear that if you lose Forsberg, you're not just losing Forsberg, but you're likely losing all this production and chemistry that, that you saw from Forsberg and Duchesne. Do you really want to lose that? I mean, what do you do if Forsberg is not in this lineup? Yeah, the Preds might go hard in free agency. We know Poyle has got a lot of money to spend, especially if Forsberg doesn't get re-signed. He's going to have a lot of money to spend. Yeah. We're talking a projected cap room of top 10 in the league as far as cap money they're going to have to spend. So, And even if they do re-sign Forsberg for $9, 10000000 million, whatever it ends up being in that neighborhood, um, the Preds are still going to have money to spend for another big free agency ad most likely. But if there's that void to fill with Forsberg, that is going to be – I really fear that it's going to completely throw off Duchesne's game and he's going to have to start from square one just like when he came here for the yeah. first time in 2019. Well, you got to look at the synergistic effect of things. You have Roman Yossi having a career year with assists. You have Philip Forsberg having a career year with assists. You have Duchesne having a career year with assists. These guys are not getting the goal scoring numbers that they have without these assists that are coming from the other guys that are it's one one man does not a team make. Uh the the chemistry and the uh like I said, the synergy of these two guys together as a forward group. Because they could, they played well with either of the top two centers, uh, either Johansson or Granlund. Uh, but those two together were electric. And God, you hate to see that get broke up. And I mean, I mean, you're already, you already know that Duchesne's going to be around for a while. He ain't going anywhere. And then, um, so now you might as well, like, if you lose Forsberg, well, then that just throws everything off completely, more so than just losing the player himself, but also the ripple effect that it's going to send down the lineup. So um, that's just another another layer to it. But, yeah, you mentioned career highs for Duchesne. Yeah, career high in points with 86, only to be outshined by Roman Yossi, which we're not doing Roman Yossi's player grade tonight. We're going to do that for a future episode. We'll do all the defensemen together. But, um, yeah, so only to be outdone by him. Otherwise, he'd be the single-season franchise leader in points. Um, uh, Let's see, career high in goals this year with 43, beat that by 12 for his career. Uh, Career high in shots on goal with 228, beat that by 11. But most of his other seasons was way below that in shots on goal. Uh, He's – so that's another one there. Career high in power play goals was 16. He beat that by six. So he beat a lot of his career highs offensively this season by a, by a pretty large margin. And it's safe to say that Forsberg played a big role in that as well. So um, got to keep these two guys together at all costs. Otherwise, I'm, that's why a lot of people are saying if Forsberg doesn't come back, you might as well go ahead and just take your lumps, enter a rebuild. I, we still think that you should – 
have all the faith in the youth and, and, and completely prop them up and, and give them the opportunity to shine. But if Forsberg has gone, you better really, really buy into that notion. So um, we only got to go about another month and a half or a month and a few weeks to, to figure that out for sure. But we're here for it. All right, let's go to our next one here. Ryan Johansson, a little bit harder of a player to grade here. Still had a good season. Still did a lot of good things. I thought he had a good bounce back year individually, like a lot of players did on this team. I um, I gave Ryan Johansson a B-plus. We're doing the plus-minus system here. I gave him a B-plus. Not quite good enough to have that perfect outstanding A, but he did have a really good year. Again, set career highs. Um, the stat that really stood out to me, um, and I didn't realize this until today, just kind of really looking through his stats and looking through his um, some of his n- outlying numbers and stuff. And um, I, I shared this with the Catfish and Ice group, uh, our little community here, and I just thought it was crazy. So um, before this past season, Ryan Johansson had six seasons with the Preds. This is counting his partial season when he got traded um, in 2015-16 here. In those six seasons, Ryan Johansson had 14 power play goals in just six seasons. Um, this past season, he put up 11 power play goals. Uh, Kyle, I know you've got a little bit of a reason for why that happened and kind of explain it to us. Why did Ryan Johansson outburst for 11 power play goals in one season when he had just 14 in his previous six? Well, you look at the power play and the guys that were on it, that first unit, um, they finally used Ryan Johansson the way he should be used on the power play. He's a big guy. He's just a big guy. Put him in front of the net, you will profit. It's a very simple formula. Pretty much every team does it. Fire the puck at him and see if he can redirect it. Get a pass in down low. Most of Ryan's goals are not pretty. They're not flashy. They're they're those ones that you have to zoom in on to see where the puck is because there's so many bodies around. But that's that's exactly why his power play has went up like it has. Uh, I ended up giving Ryan a B minus, and it's sadly not through all of his own fault. Ryan was a victim of the infamous group project. Mm. So, <laughs> so Ryan's the guy who did all the research, did all the work. The other two were supposed to, you know, one dude was supposed to make a, a PowerPoint presentation and the other was supposed to make the posters and nobody, no, neither of the other two did anything. So they got a failing grade. And it just tanked his grade as well. <laughs> I mean, Ryan had a really good year. He ended up with 63 points, uh, 37 assists, 26 goals, solid numbers. Maybe not for his pay grade, but still solid numbers. And, you know, I hate to give him as low of a score as I did, but his line while they were on the ice, a lot of times were not great. Yeah, But then again, he played with a revolving door of people, most of the time with Luke Cunning and with the horrifically snake-bitten Ellie Tolvanen. Oh, my gosh. Um, 
We're about we're gonna do Ellie Tolvanen's um grade next. Real quick, I want to ask you this real quick, um, Kyle. What do you think about this question? Much like Duchesne, can jo- Johansson repeat this uptick in goal produ- production, or was it an anomaly? I think he absolutely can. Uh, I think he has a better chance of repeating his goals this year than Duchesne does. Okay. A 43 goal season is that's hard to pull off. Well, it never happened in Preds history up until now, <laughs> 24 years of history. Exactly. Um, now, there's so, other franchises that put up 40 goals multiple times in their sleep every season, but, you know, the Preds, they had a long road to get to where they're at now. So it's not completely, you know, a fair assessment there, but yeah, um, I, I agree. Like, I think he can do it. They found a formula. I think that's what it comes down to is they, I think this past season, now that we've had time to process the sweep, that's kind of where I've come to is like the initial emotions of getting swept. I was like, you know, like a little bit acting a little bit crazily. I was like, we gotta, we gotta tear it all down and I'm done and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, just natural fan emotion. Right. And now I've kind of come around to now that I've let everything, kind of simmer a little bit and process it and think about it. And especially after watching what the Avalanche have done throughout these playoffs since they knocked out the Preds, I'm not saying it should make you feel any better. I'm not saying we should be pleased or anything like that. All I'm saying is you sh- it is totally fair game, at least in my opinion, to at least look at what the Avalanche are doing and how great of a team they are. When you watch the Avalanche, I mean, they are so skilled. It's like you're mesmerized by it. Like they, they're they relentless on the puck. They, 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 they rarely make self-inflicted mistakes. Like you have to go out and beat them. They're not going to give it to you most of the time. And then you, you see Darcy Kemper go out and you're like, oh, this is their chance. They got to uh, – Francois has got to come in. And we saw Francois – in the uh, in the in the first round and in game three, in that controversial Ryan Johansson poking the eye with the stick on Kemper, everyone thought it was malicious and it was on purpose. That was so dumb. Uh, but um, yeah, Francis comes in here, and I mean he's had, he's been a great stabilizer for them. And um, you look at a skilled team like the Edmonton Oilers, and they're in danger of getting swept. They might figure out a way to push it to five. We'll see how this game works out. I haven't checked the score since we went live. But, it's 5-4 right now, uh, Colorado. Oh, wow. There you go. There you go. So it's like I, I'm not saying, you know, like I got some pushback on Twitter for uh, posting a question. All I said was, and it, and it literally was just an honest question, and that's literally how I opened up the tweet. But I said from the Catfish account, all I said was honest question, should we basically – not so much feel better, but the Preds also had some games that were close against the Abs. If you don't just look at the final score and you actually watch the game. Um, and it was literally just an honest question. I wasn't making one way or the other. All I said was, if you take out the Connor McDavid effect, because everyone knows he is the hands down the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. Did the Preds play the Abs? pretty good compared to what the Oilers have done. I mean, I'm just uh, – I, I just threw it out there for people to think about it. And some people were like, oh, no, you can't even debate that. Like, 
that the Oilers are hands down better than the, than the than the Preds, and they've played them. And 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 I will say in a seven game series, the Oilers would beat the Preds most likely. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, take out Connor McDavid for a second because he is just such a great player. I don't know the Preds. I mean, they they had chances, especially game two. Connor Ingram had them in line of stealing game two in Colorado in overtime. That's all I threw it out there. Yeah, Connor. The game Connor stood on his head was the only one they were really in. I was uh, that game three, Kyle, and it felt like we had a chance there. I was in person right there, and the bottom fell out because of penalties. But you're right, yeah. though. Game two was really the game. They could have flipped the series. You are right. But game three felt like – and even game four, they had it tied for a second. So, I mean – you know, no one's arguing that the Preds are even in the same class as the Avs. No one's arguing that. All I'm saying is contrasting it to the Oilers, who are also possibly about to be swept by the same team. I, it's just worth at least comparing the two sweeps and figuring out just how bad are the Preds or just how good are the Avs. They're that good. They're that good. Mm-hmm. And Edmonton's tied it up. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. Yeah. Two and a half minutes left. Let's see. You got you got goals tonight from the Oilers from Zach Hyman. I really like Zach Hyman, though. I really enjoy his game and how he plays. Uh, Nugent Hopkins has a goal for them. McDavid scored his 10th goal of the playoffs. Uh, Hyman has two goals tonight, actually. And then, uh, let's see. Uh Cassian has the latest goal. McDavid assisted. Dreisaitl had the assist as well on that last goal. So there you go. Dreisaitl has four assists tonight, a four-point night. McDavid has a goal and two assists. If you you could pick right now, and you could pick between Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to have on your team, who would you pick? I got to choose between one of them. Yep, one of them. I'm still going Connor McDavid. Uh, you I know, know it's not that clear. I know that's a, that's a cop out and that's an easy choice. I know the more popular choice is to say Leon Drysaddle. That's tough though, man. I mean, that's. I think Leon is the better team guy. Okay. That and that's that's my thought on it. I can roll with that. Um, but but those two together though is just not even. Fair, and that's where that's the thing about the Oilers is it's like they even if they don't even they're obviously probably not going to make it to the Cup final because no one sees them coming down from three zero even if they win tonight. But if if they can figure out a way to 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 get a couple more players, especially their goaltending, they've got to get their goaltending figured out. If they got a bona fide Shesterkin Vasilevsky type of goalie. Game over. I mean, that's their biggest thing they need. They're showing that they have some depth scoring. Like I, I just brought up Zach Hyman. I really like Hyman. Uh, I know we don't like Evander Kane, but he he does put goals in. But I'm just saying, like, they have some secondary guys. But goaltending, man, they got to figure that part out. Yeah, when you've got a 41-year-old goaltender and that's your best option, that is not good. Not good good at all you see that save mike smith made where he like did like a cartwheel 
And yeah. like, I don't even know if he did it on purpose or not, but like he like his legs were like vertical in there and his head was like turning towards the ice and it was it was a physical like anomaly that he even somehow made the save. Yeah, it's I don't I'm really afraid he's gonna injure himself badly. You, you know, because he does some wild stuff. Uh, like, he, you, you'll just see Smith just, oh, the, he's gone on walkabout again. You're, <laughs> you're either going to get the best or the worst of Mike Smith. There's no in-between with him. He's all over the board. He might make the most spectacular save you've ever seen, jaw-dropping, like, oh, my God, how did he do that? And then he gives up four soft goals in a row, and then next thing you know, your team's done. Yeah, it's he's either letting in everything or nothing. Yeah, it's just Easter famine. Yeah, so they got to figure that out. But I still think the Oilers are going to be around for another year or two, um, as far as pushing for Western Conference supremacy. But obviously, the Avalanche are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. Uh, Elliot Friedman came out today and said um, that he could see a scenario where Cal uh, McCarr wins the Hart Trophy next year. I don't think that's far fetched at all. So I mean, yeah, the abs are just they're just incredible to watch. Like, and we'll have to wait and see who they play in the Stanley Cup final. That's why game four is gonna be really interesting. Everyone dream matchup wise wants to see Tampa versus Colorado because you got one stacked superstar team against another. And of course everyone wants to see that. Um, but there's a this Rangers team is so fun to watch as well, and it's hard to count the Rangers out. Even if they don't score, they've got this guy named Igor Shesterkin that, it, I mean, you have to put 50 shots on goal on him to beat him, which is what Tampa Bay had to do in game three. Mm-hmm. I just like the Rangers. I, I, they're easy to like. They are. Panarin, Zabinajad, they're just, they're easy to like. Lafreniere is actually turning into a good player. And how, how about that name, the kid line? I mean, Capo Caco and, and Hedl, Philip Hedl. I mean, Heedle has been just a knockout. Like, I'd never heard of this kid, but that line right there is fun to watch. Line. I mean, just love that name. Then you got Chris Kreider, who's putting in goals. I mean, I know he's not the most likable player, but Chris Kreider. And then you got Adam Fox, which is arguably a top three defenseman in this league. A lot of people think he's a top three defenseman. Um, he's definitely young as well. I mean, just so many players they got on this team. And they're, they're going to be around for a while. And I've yeah. already I've already put this out there. If they don't want to cup this year, they've got they've got a five year window at least. I haven't looked at their salary caps and all their contracts, but I feel like they've at least got a five year window with how young they are. And with Igor Shesterkin in there, who's just coming into his own, he's so new to this league. I mean, watch out. The Rangers are going to hoist one eventually with this group, if not this year. So um, we were hoping to have Tara Shea of the Glove Drop on this episode, actually. But we were unable to record with her. Unfortunately, she's battling with COVID right now, and we wish mm. her the complete best. We hope to have her on before the playoffs end. Go check out her YouTube channel, uh, The Glove Drop. She follows the Rangers. She is so entertaining, so funny, so much good hockey content. Um, and we and we hope to get her on um, eventually once she gets to feeling a little bit better. So shout out to Tara uh, the, at The Glove Drop. Hopefully we can get her on. We hope she gets to feeling better uh, soon. All right, let's let's get through our player grades here. And we brought him up a little bit earlier. 
not as rosy here of a, of a player grade, but we got to talk about Ellie Tolvin and Kyle we brought him up, how snake bitten he was. How about you give us your player grade for him first? Ellie Tolvin. I'm going to give a uh, Tolvin and a B minus. Um, and that's because you look at Tolvi this year, say you have a, a combined grade for all your, uh, all your subjects. Tolvanen had an A in special teams. He had an A in def or A plus in defensive play, uh, but his offensive play numbers were a D minus. Uh, he the kid just couldn't score. He couldn't buy a goal. I, I would I would love to see the stats on how many posts he hit. Uh, it it just there wouldn't nothing go in for the kid. Yeah. But his defensive play, his, you look, Tolvanen had 176 hits this year. That's a pretty amazing. Yeah, that's a pretty wild number for a kid who was always digged on for not being physical, for not being a physical player. He blocked 45 shots. He's doing all the things that, Needed he needed to do to enable his team to win games, except shoot the puck in the net. And when it comes down to it, when you're a top six forward, that's your job to put that puck in the net. So that's the only reason I can't give him any higher than a B minus. Uh, I've seen a lot of people calling to to trade Tolvin and and all this stuff. It's like no, definitely not. No, no, no. That'd be giving up on somebody way too soon. That kid has one of the best natural releases that is in the game right now. Once he gets his head, you know, what what is it they call it in baseball? Um, when somebody just can't hit. Snake bitten? Or I guess they say that in hockey more than anything. Um Oh, I'll think of it here in a minute. If I hadn't tried to think of it, I would have remembered it. But I get Uh, what you're saying, though. Um, And here's another thing. Okay, if you're going to give up on a 2017 first-round draft pick in his first season playing a normal season, full season, we're not going to count 2020-21 where they just played 56 games and he only played 40 of those 56 games. We're not going to count that. This is his first true normal NHL season. And you're going to give up on him already, despite all the things that Kyle just mentioned as far as defensive things go? No, it's way too soon. I agree with that completely. Uh, what what I will say is uh, he is entering a year though where he he's got he's got to really ramp it up here, and he is going to be in a little bit of a prove it year um, in terms of not becoming trade bait eventually because. Um, the, the organization is going to have to think about it if he continues to uh, go down this uh, drought of offense because you can't keep reserving a spot for a young player and just hope that eventually he's going to figure it out. But as of now, it's way too soon. I, I was a little bit harder on him than you, but not too much. I gave him a C plus um, just because – he, he is still counted on to give you that offense, and he just wasn't able to do it. Not all his fault, but 
He does, and you know, seven point three shooting percentage this past year. You got to think that that's going to definitely correct itself if he stays aggressive and he stays um, in the right mindset. He doesn't shy away, and then you've got to hope that he ends up on the right line and gets the right line mates to work with and all that good stuff. And that's that's going to be a big question coming out of training camp next this fall is where do you put Tolvin in, in this lineup? I think we all feel like if Forsberg comes back that we know that it's going to be Forsberg, Duchesne, and probably Grandland, we would think. Um, and then Johansson is going to be up there, and then you figure it out from there. But where does Tolvin end up in this lineup going into next season? And what that's something the coaching staff is going to have to really figure out. Do you start him off slow and put him down low – in the depth, it's way too soon to speculate, but um, it'll be it, no one can really say where Tolvin's going to fit into this lineup, other than we do expect him to be on in the starting lineup. Absolutely, he's pretty much got to be. Yeah, you, you can't give up on him yet. It's way too soon for that. But um, all right, so uh, let's go. Let's go on to uh, another player who had a rough year and. Um, that's Luke Cunning. Uh, Luke Cunning, I'm giving him a C. Uh, the only reason I give him a C is because he did fill a role that does fit this style of, of team, and that is um, that sometimes that drives us crazy, and that makes us want to pull what little hair I have left out. But I do get that he fits the role. He, he's, a, he's a bulldog. He doesn't shy away. He sticks up for his teammates. He was, I think, he was second on the team in hits. If I'm not, if I'm no, he's third. I'm sorry. No, he was second actually. Second on the team in hits, only trailing Tanner Janot with 223 hits. Here's the problem. This is a bad ratio here. You can do all this hard hitting, bulldog, grinded out stuff if you back it up with beneficial play for your team as far as some type of offense. The fact that he only put up 22 points to 99 penalty minutes is not going to get it done for me for a top six forward. I'm sorry. It's not. You want to find a more, a better role for him in the bottom six next year where he's not playing as many minutes and he can still play that way and be a tone setter. I'm good with that. He, this, he can't be in the top six. He is not, worthy of the top six putting up the numbers he gave us this past season. I give him a C because he does do some things well, but he's not – I mean, you got to figure out a better place for him in this lineup if you're going to keep him. I gave him a D. Um, you, One of the things that I really disliked from Luke's game this year was – he tried too hard at times. Like it looked like he was forcing the issue with some of his post whistle antics. Uh, he got some instigator penalties at really, really bad times, yep. uh, which put his team in bad situations and ended up probably causing a couple of losses in those games. Uh, It goes back again to like Tolvanen. You know, they were line mates for the majority of the year. Tolvanen was playing very good defensively. 
Cunning was playing very reckless defensively. You had two guys on this line that were playing pretty good defense with Tolvin and Johansson. Cunning just was... It, you look at the difference between Janot and Cunning and their hits. Janot got a a monster amount of hits, 300 and some hits. Uh, but it never looked like he was going out of his way to get them. It looked like it was a natural part of the flow of the game. Cunning was having to hunt them, and it looked like he was going out of his way to get this hit, and it was to the detriment of the actual defense of the play. So I, I his effort keeps him from dropping to an F for me. Uh, I still wouldn't qualify him for his RFA offer, but anyways. Yeah, that, that's uh, – that, that's kind of another thing that low-key, I know everyone's focused on Forsberg and rightfully so, but I'm telling you, we got to see what the Preds decide to do with uh, Luke Cunning and his RFA status. And also, David Poyle was very – he was very unfiltered in the press conference, basically saying, look, we do need to make some upgrades here. I didn't do enough to give John Hines what it took, what it takes to compete – against yep. playoff level teams like the Avalanche. I didn't I didn't do my job. He said it. We didn't say it. He said it. I don't know which players he's talking about. He didn't name players by name, but I mean the writing's on the wall here. All you gotta do is look up and down the roster and think which players is he referring to as far as making an upgrade. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's a good point. I mean Luke Cunning came here in a trade for Nick Nick uh Nick Bonino, are we really like completely just like, oh my gosh, we can't give up on Luke Cunning because we gave up Nick Bonino for him? I mean, don't get me wrong, Nick Bonino was a great player. I love Nick Bonino and his time here. That guy was hard to see go, but that was like a draft day trade, and they they went old for young in that moment, and uh, they brought Luke Cunning in, and I'm not, it, it's it's tough, but. I don't think anyone's going to lose sleep if, for some reason, Luke Cunning's lost. No offense to Luke Cunning. We appreciate his effort. We appreciate his tenacity and how he plays. He's got a place in this league somewhere. But it's all about how do the pieces fit here. And I don't know if it fits here, but we'll see. If, 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 he, if he does get retained, he better not be in the top six. That's all I'm saying. You, you look at – here, here's one of the things I really struggled with is with the lineup this year. And just looking at the numbers, it really makes you wonder. Uh, Cunning was a top six guy all year long. Philip Tomasino was on the fourth line the majority of the year. Tomasino had 32 points. Luke Cunning had 22 points. And... Tomasino played six less games. Yeah. I think there's your upgrade. Yeah. And we're talking about a Phil Tomasino playing his first season in the NHL as a 20 year old who, um, I mean, going into the season, we were all like clamoring, like, please start Philip Tomasino right out of the gate. He needs to be in the lineup. And, Everyone was always wondering, like, going into the season back in October of last year, we were like, okay, 
Will will the team pull him out of the lineup too quick? Will they give him time to grow? Will they give him time to get his feet wet? That's what I was worried about. I was worried about like they put him in for five games and then they yank him and they don't give him a chance. Kind of like what they did to Cody Glass, although I do agree now with what they did with Cody Glass, but I'm just trying to compare the two. But it turns out Tomasino ended up playing 76 games as a 20-year-old. That is incredible in and of itself, not even talking about the points he put up. We're not even grading Tomasino tonight. We're going to save that for another episode. But, yeah, I just had to get that out there. He got he got overlooked. Tomasino definitely got overlooked on this team because of all the other individual performances. But the, the, the people who really follow this team and really love this team and, and, and look at the stats and look at the numbers and – they know what, how important Thomas Hino was and how impressive of a season he had. He was, I mean, so young of a player. He came in and just he looked he looked really comfortable for most of the season in, in my eye test. Anyway, I mean, if you get down to it, would Yakov Trenin or Tanner Janot be a better top six player than Cunning was this year? I think it's fair to say that. I think people are worried about breaking up the herd line, though. That's where you get in. Like they're worried about breaking up that that trio there. That's what – I think Tanner Joe would absolutely be a better better fit than Cunning in the top six. And you got to explore that. You absolutely have to explore that. We're going to we're gonna see some – we're going to see a shakeup there, whether it's a free agency or whatever it is. We'll see it. Um, okay, let's do our um, final player grade for this episode, and then we, then we will continue more player grades in future episodes later this offseason throughout June. Again, this is episode 132 of Catfish and Ice presented by DraftKings with hosts Chad Minton and Kyle Perkins. Uh, Rich Howe, our other co-host, is on vacation. He'll be back with us next week for a new episode. So we hope he's having an awesome vacation with his family. Well-deserved for that guy. He works He works his butt off, and uh, we will see him soon. All right, final player grade is Mikael Granlund. Another important piece of the top six, and I'm sorry, but another player who's been a little overlooked, in my in my opinion, anyway. Um, I give him an A minus. I know he's not a big goal scorer, and that's okay. He doesn't have to be. He he's a facilitator. He's a he's what he's what we've always hoped Ryan Johansson will be. Honestly, uh, Mikel Granlund ended up putting up 53 assists this past season the third most in a season in Preds history. Third most in franchise history. No one's talking about that. 24-year team history, and Mikel Granlin finished third in a single season in assists with 53. One shy of Paul Correa's mark in 05-06. And, of course, we all know Roman Yossi set that new record this past year with 73 assists. But Mikel Granlin, if, if Roman Yossi doesn't have this crazy season, then Mikel Granlin is possibly has the second-best assist season in franchise history. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Um, I give him an A minus. I thought here's what I can't get out of my head about Granlund is he's been damaged goods twice for this franchise where they pretty much said, you know what? We're going to let you test the waters. You go shop around. And if you end up somewhere else, we're okay with it. And he came back to this team both times. The second time everyone thought he was gone for sure. Like, even Adam Vinian, the great Adam Vinian, said Mikael Granlin's gone, basically. And then out of nowhere, he's back. He he signs with the Predators right at the dead end of free agency that day last summer. 
And I can't help but think what would have happened this past season for the Preds if Granlin doesn't come back to this team. I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? If Granlin's not on this team, it's very fair to say that they don't make the playoffs. Duchesne doesn't have as great of a season as he had. Forsberg doesn't have as great of a season as he had. This team isn't as good as far as a power play or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I mean, he, he gets overlooked a little bit, so that's why I gave him an A-. minus. Oh, I gave him an A. Because I think slightly. Yeah, I I mean he was quietly one of the best players on the team. He played he played the penalty kill, he played the power play. I mean the dude he led the team in ice time for forwards. That's a good stat right there. Ice time for forwards. I love that. He worked his butt off. And here's you know, we talk about the height of a certain player in Nashville a lot, um, and Mr. Soros. But I have you ever looked at the the height chart for the Nashville Predators? Uh, if I have, it's been a long time. I can't say that. I normally look at it. No. Of the current roster, Mikhail Granlund is the shortest player on the team at five ten. So. You take a look at this. He's playing number one center in the NHL. Look at the centers around the league and how big they are. Uh, Granlin's 5'10", 185 is what he's listed at. You go on our same team, Ryan Johansson, 6'3", 218. He's five inches shorter and several pounds lighter, 30-some pounds lighter. So he's going up against in the face-off circle with a guy that is just towering over him most of the time. And he's putting up assists and everything like this when he is at such a size disadvantage. That dude is putting in work. He's He's got that dog in him. He He's tenacious. He, that I think that's the best thing you can say about his game is there's no quit in it that if there's a puck to be got around the net, he's going to fight and dig and everything else to get that puck out. Uh, and and let's, talk, let's talk about this. Talk about everything you just said, Kyle, about how he works hard, all the things he does. Let's, we talk about bad contracts in this, in this franchise all the time. Let's talk about the good ones, too. They got this guy for $5 million AAB, and they got yeah. him for three more seasons. So if, if he can just – even do 75% of that uh, production. I mean, obviously we want one at all, but I'm just saying like 5 million a year for that, for uh, what you think is your best center on the team. <laughs> that is a steal of all steals. If you want to, if we're going to talk bad contracts, we got to talk good contracts as well. 5 yeah. million a year for that, for what he gave you this past season, 5 million a year, dude, that's, We'll give one, we'll give a we'll give a thumbs up for Poyle on that one. I know we we rag on him constantly. He deserves some of it, but I mean, oh, oh, uh, sorry. Also bailed him out though. Edmonton just got swept, and oh. it's it's on a controversial call. Oh no, you're gonna have to update us on that because I didn't see it. Um, so puck was played with what could have very well been a high stick and then put in by the same player. 
Uh, Are they reviewing it right now, or is it? They just- reviewed it and called it a good goal. Oh my gosh! Well, you can't you can't blame you can't say that the NHL's fixed anymore because you know the NHL didn't want to sweep. No, and you know they wanted that. They want a Canadian team in the Cup final. It's good well, for business. Well, I'm going to reserve judgment and 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 really just you, you, I'll let I'll let you judge on that because I haven't seen it. I'm sure I'll see it soon here across the timeline, but. Wow, what a way to to end that series, though. I mean, I, no one thought the Oilers were going to come back anyway, but to get swept like that, I mean, wow. Yeah, uh, that's that's just wild. I never would have thought that. I, I, I would have I, I would have thought Edmonton would at least got one at home. I thought it would have gone six at least. Like I never did official prediction on it, but I'll be honest. I thought it would have at least gone six. If it would have went seven, I wouldn't be surprised. I did expect the Avs to win the series, but I thought it was going to be way, way more like um, battle tested. And I'm not saying they weren't like competitive games necessarily, but I mean, the Avs are just once again showing that they just can't be stopped right now. But um, they're a steamroller. I can promise you, though, the NHL did not want to sweep in that series. They wanted that to go. Oh, they wanted seven out of that one. But, wow. Okay. Um, So the Avs are going to get a a lot of rest. Uh, And rest isn't always a good thing. I mean, it is in hockey, I guess, because in the grind of the playoffs, I'm sure it's going to be nice for them to to, to kind of knock off the bumps and bruises. And we'll have to see if uh, uh, Nazem Kadri is going to – um, make it back. Have we seen a report on whether he has any chance of coming back in these playoffs? I oh. saw thumb surgery. He got thumb surgery today. I don't know how quickly you can recover from thumb surgery, but um, I think Kyle's looking at that up right now. But yeah, going back to Granlin to wrap up our player grades, he's he's a 5 million AAV through 2024-2025, and the guy just got the third most assists in a season in franchise history. I would say that's a pretty good bang for your buck there. And all I can think about is how how um, demoralizing and excruciating would it have been if Granlin doesn't resign here, Kyle. He doesn't come back this past offseason. He goes to another team and puts up those numbers. We would have been all – Oh, it would have been we would have a... been. We would have been coming after Poyle with pitchforks way more than you even know. You yeah, know, it that. Yeah, it would have been worse than it already is. So, Poyle got bailed out a little bit by at least getting Granlin back in here. So, those are our first batch of player grades. Tweet the show at Catfish Ice on Twitter. Comment on Facebook, Instagram. Hit up our YouTube channel. Make sure you hit subscribe. Let us know what your player grades would be for Forsberg, Duchesne, Johansson, Granlin, Tolvanen, and Cunning. Those are the six players we did tonight. Tell us what your grades would be. Tell us why you disagree with ours. We welcome the debate. We love it. Before we move on here in episode 132, got to talk about DraftKings. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on, as we know, and DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of the NHL. And we still have this offer that's been going on the entire playoffs, and you can still get in on it. All you got to do is bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets. You've only got three teams left to bet on (laughs) because the Oilers are out. 
So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets. No matter what, that's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details on gambling practices and gambling help. If you have a gambling problem, please do that. See our show notes. We'll have it down there for you to see where you can get help for that. There's also uh, same-game parlays. All you can, all you got to do is combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. And DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your winnings instantly for – for and whenever you want, so it's a really, really good and reliable way to bet on sports responsibly. So go do that. You got three teams left to get in on our offer to bet on: Tampa, New York Rangers, and if you want to wait till the Stanley Cup Final, you can bet on the juggernaut Colorado Avalanche. Throw five dollars on the Avs. Odds are you're probably going to win. We'll throw that out there right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Throw an Abe Lincoln down there. You'll probably win a hundred dollars in free bets on the ads. Oh gonna... no, Landy touched the trophy. Ah, uh, maybe they're not going to win now. Yeah. Well, congrats to that Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I will say that I'm not salty at all. Sometimes you have to respect a great team, and I'm not salty at all that they swept us. They are truly a great team. I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm turning into an ass fan because I'm definitely not, but I, I just have to respect where respect is that where respect's due. And they are a really great team, and they've been building up to this for multiple, multiple seasons, all the way back to like 2014. Or, you know, they brought Jared Bednar in as their head coach, and then they drafted smart. They got Miko Rantanen. They got Nathan McKinnon. They made really wise trades throughout the years to build this roster that they've built. So, I mean, hats off to them. Joe Sackick has has really been a great – done a great job in their front office, former great NHL player. And, um, you know, I wrote an article for Predlines talking about it, like, hey, there's your blueprint right now, right there if you want to go – if you have to go through a rebuild. Look at what the ads did. And it, it didn't happen overnight for the ads. They had to build to this. Everyone just remembers that in 2009, uh, what was it, 2017, 18, the President's Trophy year, the Preds had to claw to win in six games over this very young ass team. I know they didn't have the same exact roster, but they still had Nathan McKinnon on that team. They still had Rantanen on that team, I believe. They had Sam Gerrard on that team. They still had some of the same players. They had Landis Cog on that team, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you have to do. And so you got to tip your cap to a team that did it the right way, did it the hard way to build to where they're at now. Absolutely. Those guys are good. All right, let's flip the page to what's going to be happening a month from now, and that's the 2022 NHL Entry Draft. Uh, Kyle, I know you're big into the prospects. I know we both follow um, OTF on the future. covers Preds prospects for SB Nation. Um, Kyle, have you kind of been dabbling in some draft content, seeing what's out there, mock drafts? What do you think the Preds might do? Um, What's your initial thoughts on this? I think they go forward um, just for the fact that you they need to keep taking swings at it. Uh, 
there's a couple of guys that are in the range of the rankings that I kind of like. Uh, uh, Liam Ogren from Sweden. Uh, he's a good-looking player. Uh, then there's uh, Connor Geeky, who is uh, Morgan Geeky's younger brother that plays for uh, – where does Morgan play? Uh, Seattle. He plays for Seattle now. Uh, Connor is 6'4" like 200 plus pound center. He's a big kid. He's going to probably end up being 6'5", 225. He is just a monster. So, I mean, take a shot. Uh, there's a couple of Russian players, uh, Danilo Yurov, uh, which I think he's going to go probably closer to the top 10. Um, and then there's another player from Russia. Oh, what is his name? I just went blank on it. That they could take a swing at. Uh, there's there's a few really good players lurking around that range, but none of them are going to come in and instantly change the franchise. Yeah. No, uh, this is a down-the-road pick you're making here to, to really resupply your prospect pool, if anything, because you're about to be pulling some of these players from your prospect pool. Um, so, you know, you got to keep, you got to constantly be reloading. And, um, so I, I get what you're saying as far as targeting a forward and I totally agree, but I also feel like if it comes down to taking the best player on the board outside of a goalie, then you take it. So if there is a really good defenseman that slips down to number 17 out of nowhere, maybe a defenseman you're not expecting to fall down who has top 10 potential, then I'm not against, uh, taking that, taking that swing either. Because either way, like you just said, the player you're taking is is not going to make it an instant instant impact. So, um, but the position of need is always going to be for this franchise to to, to find yourself a uh, an offensive center or wing because that's what this franchise has always lacked. I mean, it's, this franchise has always had a hard time having homegrown offensive forward talent, specifically at center. They've always had a great time developing defensemen. They've never had a hard time finding goalies for the most part, but they've always, it's always eluded them. And then when they have had some really good forwards that they've drafted, like Kevin Fiala, well, they didn't keep him for very long. So, uh, yeah, uh, but we have some hope with Philip Tomasino right now and Luke Evangelista and Zachary LaRue and some recent draft picks that they've made. So they, they're definitely making headway in that department, but. I think it's a best player on the board scenario for them this year. Maybe yeah. Most position except for goalie. I don't even know what goalie prospects are out there. I haven't dove into it that deep yet. I um, haven't looked at goalies at I, all. I, I don't. I don't think there's some generational goalie in this draft. That I mean, if there is, I haven't come across it yet. I haven't heard of any. I'm not seeing any in a the ranking that I'm looking at right now. And, and even if it and even if there was, that's still a situation where most likely the Preds would need to pass the 17 and take a different position. They're just that's definitely not something that they're really pushing for right now. Um uh but if there's a really good defenseman out there that they like and they love, especially if he's got offensive upside, then by all means do it. I'm not going to be against that at all in the first round. Because like you said, this is going to be a project either way and someone who's going to have, you're going to have to build up, but you know, I always enjoy the draft. It's always fun to watch that. I'm pretty sure the Preds only had like six picks this year. Um, yeah, they traded a- away some picks recently, uh, including that second round pick for Jeremy Lazan. 
So I, unless they acquire more picks somehow, I, I'm pretty sure they only have six draft picks this year. Uh, yeah, I think they have a pair of thirds. Um, I'm not sure. I'm looking away. I'm looking right now. If you want to fact check me on that, I think the last time I looked it was six, which is a pretty low number. Um, so they got to be wise with their picks here. But um, really quick, uh, mentioning at the top of the show, the only other time the Preds had picked 17th overall in their history was when they took Dante Fabro at 17th overall in 2016. I, I'm still completely on board that that was a good pick and that Dante Fabro is solidly a top four defenseman um, until otherwise there's some reason for me to think he's not. But I still think he's a top four defenseman, especially his defensive aspect of his game. Um, but we would love to see Fabro's uh, offensive game get a little bit better. I, w- I would love to see him contribute a little bit more offensively, but I still think that was a great pick looking back on it now. Um, I went back because I had a lot of time on my hands today. I went back and looked at all the 17th overall picks since like the year 2000, and I only found three really like eye-opening great picks. Like great, they ended up being great NHL players. Like outstanding NHL players. You got Kyle Connor, 17th by the Jets in 2015. You got Thomas Hurdle, 17th by the Sharks in 2012. And Zach Parise, 17th by the Devils in 2003. Those are the only three players picked at 17th overall that I came across that really stood out as having like great elite NHL careers. So, the odds are a little bit against the Preds of finding that generational great player at that pick, but we'll see what happens. You can always find a diamond in the rough, no matter how late in the draft or what part of the first round you're in. Nikita you Kucherov was a second-round pick. <laughs> so, uh, that's the thing about the NHL draft. I feel like it's probably like that more than any other sport. It's such an exact science because you got to think about it. These GMs are having to comb through so many leagues, so so many professional leagues across the world of, of just all – I mean, I can't even begin to fathom ha- the process of scouting all these international players all across the world in all these leagues, whereas some of these other sports like NFL, oh, yeah, you're scanning the college ranks, and you're most likely scouting – your SEC schools and your your Big 12 schools and your Oklahomas and your Texases and your Alabamas. Not saying it's not hard to scout in those leagues, but think about the NHL scouting process and how <laughs> hard it has to be to look through all of these prospects and all of these players across all these leagues. I mean, it, it's got to be crazy to just think about it. Oh, it's, it's insane. You think about uh... – NFL scouts, they don't have to have a scout in Sweden and Finland and Russia and everywhere else around the planet. They can they can focus on one country. I, the closest thing in America uh, in major sports would be MLS or uh, baseball. Uh, baseball, with, baseball, they definitely have to scout internationally. Um, but still not on the level of, of hockey. No. No, not even close. Uh, <laughs> and that's what makes the, the NHL draft just such a – like I, I don't want to call it a crapshoot because these 
these scouts are really good at what they do and they do have a process and they do have a method to their madness and they know what they're doing. But even they would probably tell you, they'd be totally honest and say, look, like we got to take who we think is the best player. And, and it doesn't mean we're going to be right all the time, but you know, like, I mean, that's what makes it so interesting to watch. And I mean, I'm always excited. And here's the deal about the Preds. They, they've had some really good draft luck over their last not, I don't want to call it just luck. They're making really good picks, and credit to their staff for doing it. But they, they've had some – I would say their last three draft classes have brought a lot of promise to this organization for the future. I mean, you just look at their last three draft classes, and I've got it pulled up right now. Uh, 2019, they took Philip Tomasino at the 24th overall pick. They took Igor Afanasiev in the second round. And then uh, Mark Delgado, he's still with the, he's still with the Admirals, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what his future looks like, but I, I've heard good things about him. Uh, Simeon Chistikov has got a bright future. You got Ethan Hader in there, who I've heard good things about, and Yusuf Parson. That 2019 draft class, Kyle, and I know you really do follow the prospects closely. That 2019 draft class has me really pumped up. That's a good looking draft class there. Yep. Uh- Yusof Parson and posted a video today. He was out in the middle of nowhere watching rally races. And it's like, oh, we need to hang out because yeah. that looks like a good time. And then you see uh, you see Iroslav Askarov like out there like uh, taking selfies and just living his best life right now. He looks so happy to be here. Yeah, and he's, he's back in Russia now. He's gone to get his wife. And it, they, she – them two meeting at the airport was all sweet and everything. And uh, well, we wish him all the safety, at, you know, back over there and stuff. Of course, with the the war going on over there and everything, we just really wish him the best. And then, of course, anyone who's who's dealing with with with, with that all the travesties going on over there, we all of our hearts are out to the Ukrainians right now in that in that brutal war. We try to be an escape for people. We try to because there's so much going on in this world that's so sad. It's so hard to process and we don't want to get into all the issues because that's not what we're here for there's other outlets for that but we are here for you to be an escape and 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 talk hockey and just have fun so that's what we're here for but um let's go to the next draft class 2020 they took uh of course at the 11th overall pick i even remember at the time some people criticizing taking a goalie so high and i'm like come on now that was a great pick. I mean, if you can take a generational goalie, you take it. Even with some of his struggles in the KHL and the VHL, I don't care. Like he'll, you know, that was a great pick, and I, and, and I, you're not going to convince me otherwise until I see it. Until I see him over here, um, Luke Evangelista was taken in the second round of that draft at 42nd overall. Luke Prokop. Took got taken in the third round. Another really promising player, Adam Willsby, who's a really good defenseman. A really, I know you've been high on Willsby. You've talked about Willsby in the past. Yes, he's. I think he could end up being a a, a bottom four uh, defenseman. Uh, is where I think he could round out, depending on how he develops. Good stuff. I'm. I'm really. I'm really looking forward to seeing Luke Prokop in. Milwaukee next year. I saw him score a goal. He scored a goal in his uh, team's um, – I got to see what league it was. Can you catch me up on that, Kyle? He scored uh, a goal I saw it from the team account. 
Oh gosh, he plays for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, well, he scored. He scored the other night. I do know that because it popped up on my timeline. Um, and then you've got one of the best names ever, Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. Um, yes, was in the seventh round of that draft as well. So another really promising draft class when we look at it right now. And then this past year's draft, uh, the Preds only had six picks. They took uh, Fedor Shvechkov in the first round, which was also kind of criticized because they basically criticized Feshkov of not having an offensive game, if I remember correctly. But he's kind of yeah. changed that narrative. I feel like he's been doing pretty well scoring and offensively speaking in his playing since then. He's done okay. He hasn't had a lot of uh, – he played a lot of the year on SKA Neva. Uh, and they were the SKA that weren't very good this year. Uh, the big team was pretty good, and their uh, is it MHL? I get the bottom leagues confused over there. It's the Too MHL out there. I can't keep them all straight. It's the MHL and the VHL. One of them is the junior league. One of them is their kind of AHL affiliate type deal. Uh, but their AHL type affiliate over there was not that great this year. Um, he didn't really score a lot of goals there, but uh, he, he played really well on the junior squad and he was, he played a few games up on the big squad and did not do too bad there. Um, so. Is it, I mean, and the jury is still out on this entire draft class. It's too early to like make sweeping impressions of a 2021 draft class. But of course you got Zachary LaRue who everyone is really excited about. I know we all love Zachary LaRue. Anton Olsen was taken in the third round, and then he had a pair of fourth-round picks, Ryan Ufko, uh, Jack Madier, and Simon Knack. Um, if I pronounce mispronounce any of those names, I'm terribly sorry. I will figure them out eventually. <laughs> but we have got to uh, focus on this year's draft now. But all I'm saying is the last three draft classes have been very, very promising for this Preds organization, and now you got to build on it. And, I, and that's one. Th that's another thing I got to give David Poyle and his scouts a lot of credit for. They've drafted pretty good. I mean, you you really can't like be too upset with how this team has drafted over the last three years. I'm I'm not upset about it. Um, and it's not like the NFL or the NBA where these draft picks just immediately come in and make an impact. And for anyone who might be new hockey fans, that's totally cool. You know, everyone welcomes in new fans to the game, but you just got to understand if you're also a fan of football or um, or or bas or NBA, think about it more like baseball. Baseball, it takes time to make it up to the big leagues. It's very similar to that style, maybe even a longer road, honestly, than baseball in terms of making it through all these minor league ranks, making sure your body's ready for NHL hockey. It, it takes time, even for the best draft prospects. You've got to be like, You've seriously got to be like a Alexi Lafreniere who is playing for the Rangers right now. It's got to be that type of talent for you to immediately come into the NHL, and it just doesn't happen very often. So it takes time. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're excited about it, though. It'll be fun. It'll be it'll be fun. So we will do a full episode of that. Um, we got to try to get on the future on here again, though, because he's been on here twice, um, Eric. Love him. I mean, he's one of my favorite followers on Twitter. He puts us – I mean, I feel like I get smarter every time I read a tweet by him when it comes to our prospect pool. And so um, he's been on the show a couple times. we got to get him on 
before um, probably part of our draft episode, if he could fit time in, I'm sure he's busy. It's all get out right now, but um, we got to get him in if possible to really give us some knowledge on this draft class. We're hoping to do that. All right, here's how let's wrap up this episode here. Um, First of all, uh, Kyle, um, what are you thinking about? They're they're talking about Barry Trotz a little bit more as far as um, where he might end up. They're even speculating he might take a year off. But you just saw that the all of a sudden the Boston Bruins have a head coaching head coaching job opening, which kind of surprised me. That really surprised me. Um, with all the injuries and everything else that they've had to deal with, uh, man, trots in Boston would be hard to handle. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I think you you put him in charge of that team, you're going to have there's going to be problems. There's going to be some issues. Uh, that that like team. You mean like a good way for Boston? I mean, like, uh, yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be issues for the rest of the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I still don't know why the New York Islanders let him go. And it would be kind of funny if he ends up in the Eastern Conference with Boston and he just. Um, kind of like sticks it to the Islanders for, for giving up on him like that. Like, cause I still don't understand how that happened to begin with. I can understand it uh, for the fact of they thought they were going to lose Lane Lambert and they didn't want to lose him. So they had to do something to keep him there. And the only way was to give him the head coach. Gotcha. Uh, Makes sense. So um, let's let's close out this episode with something a few funny things here. Um, this is really funny, and I hope it happens. So this is for a tweet from uh, from uh, uh, Jimmy uh, Trana on Twitter. Um, he put, "If the Lightning Rangers series goes seven games, Game Seven is scheduled to be played at Madison Square Garden on June 14th. Guess what else is scheduled on June 14th at Madison Square Garden? Justin Bieber." I enjoy anarchy like anarchy like this. He can play the uh, uh, intermission. So, um, uh, Kyle, I, I can already assume that you already had your Justin Bieber tickets bought. You're going to be really upset if. Um, Absolutely, if I'm. I'm Justin a believer. <laughs> I'm a believer. Uh, I just, uh, I will be heartbroken I'm if I miss you. this concert. Dude, I'm telling you right now, you know, there are some people who don't give a rat's ass about hockey and they're big Justin Bieber fans. And if they cancel Justin Bieber for game seven of a hockey game, they don't give two craps about there is going to be anarchy. But here's the thing. He's a huge hockey fan, so he would probably be like, this is more important than my my." I did think about that because he is a big hockey fan. He's well known to be. But it's just a really happy accident. And I want to see Game 7 anyway. So um, that just puts icing on the cake for me, if I could see that happening. I, I want more of that series. I'm, it's It's been more enjoyable to watch than the Colorado beating the crap out of everybody. <laughs> and I mean, and I do think that um, that series has seven written all over it. But at the same time, just Sturkin, man. Like, I mean, he can, he, he's just capable of doing anything right now. He, he could definitely take.
take this out in five and just say I'm done. And Vasilevsky, to his credit, is also a great goaltender. But Vasilevsky's been outplayed by Shesterkin if you put them head-to-head. Like, oh, Vasilevsky's shown a little bit of um, holes in his game where it's Shesterkin. He's looked human. Yes. But what a goaltender battle. I mean, God, just thank you so much for giving it to us. Honestly, God. You have two completely opposite series. You have one where goaltending is optional and one where goaltending is the show. (laughs) So true. Good stuff, though. We love it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Catfish on Ice, episode 132. Chad Minton and Kyle Burton is your host. Rich Howe will be back next week for a new episode with us as well. So stay tuned for that. Thanks so much, everybody. We hope you have a great week. Take care. Take care of each other. Be kind to one another. We will see you next week. See y'all later.